What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adores him. And we worship him. For he alone is worthy of all the glory and honor we can give him. To God be the glory for the many things that he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. We honor our Heavenly Father, His Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who hung for six hours one Friday and died until death died. Three days later, He came out of the grave, not as a weakling, but with all power in His hands. Fifty days later, He sent the Holy Ghost to reside and to preside on the inside of us and what a joy it is for us to know that we're not just his creation but we're his children and even in this day he is worthy to be praised he's worthy to be praised I'm so honored and thankful to share again with the Eastern Star Church and uh, it's a joy to be here uh, let me give honor and deference to one of the greatest pastor preachers breathing oxygen, your pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jeffrey Johnson Sr. Come on, help me celebrate your pastor. Come on, help me celebrate your man of God. Hallelujah. God really loves you to allow you to sit and receive from such a genius in the gospel two or three times a week. What a joy it is. And I'm grateful to be alive during the life and times of Jeffrey Johnson Sr. Amen. We honor his wife that stands by his side. Come on, let's celebrate her. Amen. His family and to all of the leaders of this church, the clergy of this church, and to all of you, the men and women of God that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Amen. Amen. I'm honored uh, to be here again, and uh, I'm thankful uh, to call Pastor Johnson a friend, and let me appreciate all of the accommodations and preparations that have been made on my behalf uh, through the administration of this church. And I'm thankful that I am before Dr. Freddie Haynes. Y'all going to be blessed. Y'all going to be blessed this week. I want, I, I'm just a forerunner. Get y'all ready for the real preacher that's coming this week. Amen. Let's bless the Lord for Dr. Freddie Haynes, my friend and brother. Mr. Soundman, can you give me some more monitors here on the pulpit? That would be great. Thank you so very much. Appreciate that. While he's doing that, can you help me celebrate this music ministry that has blessed our hearts today? And while we're on the topic of music, I had the opportunity about a month ago uh, to release a single. Uh, that is being played now on national rotation. And I want to encourage you all to download my little A and B selection. Uh, 
the name of the song is One More Day. It's on everything. It's on uh, uh, Amazon, YouTube, iTunes. It's on everything. Information's there on your screen. And uh, there's some familiar voices on it. I was blessed to have John P. Key to be on it and uh, Tim Rogers. So take a minute in your spare time. As a matter of fact, I want to encourage you to let this bless your day, start your day, to even the rest of the day and tomorrow. Just uh, get your day started with this little song that will help you out and encourage you in your walk with God. I'd appreciate that if you allow that to be a part of your walk and witness uh, for Jesus Christ. Amen. If it is your custom here that you stand for the word of God, I ask that you would do so. If not, I want to uh, summon your senses and invite your intellect nonetheless to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, chapter number 16. The book of Acts chapter 16, I want to read this context in your hearing uh, as it will serve as a basis uh, for our little Easter speech today. Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse number 16. Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse number 16. Your Bible should read, and it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us and brought her masters much gain by the soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of that same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach us customs which are not legal for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them, and suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and the earthquake and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. 
I want to tag this text. It's about that time. You may be seated in the Lord's church. Would you just look at somebody and tell them it's about that time? Historically, Acts chapter 16 recorded a string of conversions that occurred during Paul's second missionary journey. While he was doing the work of the Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and told him to leave Troas and go to Macedonia. He did what the Holy Ghost told him to do and set up camp in its chief city named Philippi. And there in Philippi, revival broke out. The church was planted there at the church of Philippi by which we are familiar with that through the book of Philippians. But even in the growth of the church and the outbreak of revival, there was as consistent as growth this element called persecution. These agents of God, known as the apostles, went about Asia Minor planting and starting churches. And while they were doing the will of God, they were under attack by the local governments and magistrates because the planting and progress and prosperity of the Lord's kingdom in that area resulted in a deficit in the economy of the enemy. Simply put, the more effective they were in the work the more the enemy of Satan began to decline. And thus the enemy of Satan lashed out at the apostles through their established government. You and I just read such conversion in which when they got to Philippi, verse 13 says, they had a riverside prayer meeting. That's discipline. Verse 14 says, Lydia and her family all got saved and baptized. That's discipleship. And the Bible says in verse 16 that a damsel who was possessed by a spirit of divination approached Paul, declared who they were. Paul turned around and by the power of the authority of God that rested in him, called that spirit demon out of her. And she was set free from that demonic possession. That's deliverance. Catch it, church. They walked in discipline, made disciples, walked in deliverance, and thus they got in trouble. I'll try it again. They were proficient in their discipline of prayer. They were changing lives through discipleship. And they were getting people delivered from the power of the adversary. 
And that led in verse 16 through 19, as the text says, that Paul and Silas were apprehended and arrested through the conglomeration of the master's multitude and magistrates. It says to us, ladies and gentlemen, that you ought not to be getting in trouble with God, but you ought to be getting in trouble over God. If your witness for God is sincere and public and persistent, then hell ought to get the news. It ought not to be the case that your witness for God is only heard within the comfortable confines of this church. But if your witness for God is true and persistent and authentic, then it ought to be heard from those who don't even embrace God. They're sincere in their discipline. They're making disciples and they're walking in the power of God for deliverance for other people. And now, ladies and gentlemen, watch this. They're in trouble because of their calling and their conviction. Ladies and gentlemen, the apostles walked in such a conviction for God that their calling was considered to be a crime. Look at the charges. They're leading now the enemy's deficit down because the little girl that got delivered, her masters can no longer make profit off of her possession. The Bible says that they were accused of being racial problems because they were Jews. They were accused of being of causing social problems because the text says they troubled the city. And then they were accused of illegal problems because the text says that they taught illegal customs that the people could not embrace. Look at those charges. They were charged for being racial, social, and illegal sources of tension in the community. They got arrested. The Bible says when they got arrested around verses 22 through 24, they were beaten, bloody, bare, and bound. They beat them. They whipped them. They, they wounded them and then bound them. The, 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 the prison guard was given this instruction. Bound them in prison. And he decided to throw them in the inner prison, the deepest, darkest dungeon of the prison, laced them down and held them down uh, by chains to the very foundation of the prison. Check it, church. They're beaten, bloody, bound there in that prison in the darkest part of the prison and something happens in the darkest part of the prison while they are beat, bound, bloody, and bare, the Bible says they had praise and worship at the worst time in the darkest place 
of their existence. I'll try, I'll try it again. They didn't wait to have church when it was comfortable. They had church all by themselves. Beat, bound, bloody, and bare, being accused of illegal racial and social charges because they walked in their calling. And the Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas decided to have church in chains. I wish that was somebody's testimony. I want to I, I believe that there are several of you in here right now having church in chains. You, you look like all is well, but the truth is it's not. You dressed up, you smell good, you got your hair or somebody else's hair you bought just to hide the fact that you're having church but chains got you bound. And one of the problems with the church is that they want us to be holy but they don't want us to be honest. So I want to talk to the honest people that will testify, Pastor, that's me today. I look like everything is okay, but the truth is everything is not okay. And I need to be okay with not being okay because I'm under attack because I'm trying to live right. I'm trying to do the right thing. I try to treat people right. I try to come to church. I try to like my coworker who I know can't stand me. And some Sundays... I'm having church in chains. I want to suggest that there are some lessons here that are significant to the timing of when this has happened. You all already know because you have a scholar for a pastor that whatever is tucked away in the text is not there accidentally. All of the content in the context is there intentionally. And we are introduced not to just the miraculous or this extraordinary moment, but we are introduced to the timing in which it happened. Y'all got a Bible? Y'all interested in what it says? It says at midnight. That's really where we got to pitch our tent for the exegesis of this passage at midnight. Midnight, ladies and gentlemen, is that time transition where yesterday dies, today is born, and tomorrow is conceived. It is midnight. It is the middle of the night in which a day dies and another day is born. It is midnight. It's in the middle of the night where yesterday dies, today is born, and tomorrow is conceived. But it is that time, ladies and gentlemen, where a new day comes into fruition in darkness. 
can, can I help you, ladies and gentlemen? And it becomes a new day with yesterday's darkness. I knew you missed it. A new day always begins with yesterday's darkness. The darkness that starts today is going to carry over into tomorrow, but the darkness is not going to stop something new from happening. Lord have mercy today. It's a time, church, that in the darkest time of your life, God is shifting you into something new that you didn't happen yesterday. And in the dark is when he's developing a new day in your life. Can I help you? Don't even trip with you in a dark place. Because in the darkness, God is doing something new that nobody can see, nobody can touch, and nobody can stop. If you are in a dark place, it's because God could possibly be doing something new in your life. So midnight is that measurement of time where a new day begins with yesterday's darkness. Thus, it is a time of development. Let the church say development. God specializes is in doing new stuff in dark times. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, all of us were developed in darkness because in, 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 in the mother's womb for nine months, there is no light there, but there's development happening. I can't get no help here. You are who you are right now because God was shaping you and molding you when nobody could see you. Fret not yourself just because it's a dark time in your life. It could be dark because God is doing something new in your life. It's a time of development, but it's also a time, church, of declaration. You, you got a Bible? Here's what your Bible reads. It's a time of declaration. Now, after all of that abuse, here's what we read. They beat Paul and Silas. They cast them into the inner prison. They bound them in the inner stocks. But I want to suggest apparently the jailer did not do his proper homework on Paul and Silas. You got a Bible and can read it. Can we do our proper homework? Verse 13 says when they got to the river they prayed. They had a prayer meeting. Verse 14 says, Lydia and her family got saved because of the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 15 and 16 says that that little girl who was possessed by a spirit of divination got delivered from the spirit of divination because she heard them declare the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to try it one more time for these people right here. 
you have apprehended me. You have arrested me. You've beat me. You've locked me down. You've thrown me in the inner prison. But apparently, you didn't do your proper homework on me. Because in verse 13, I got a prayer life. In verse 14, I still can preach and people get saved. In verse 15 and 16, that which was demonically possessed heard me declare the name of God. Which means, if you had done your proper homework on me, you wouldn't have cared about my feet and my hands. You would have tried to shut my mouth. Because in verse 13, I, when I open my mouth, I can pray. In verse 14, if I open my mouth, people will get saved. In verse 16, if I open my mouth, the demonic will be set free. So while you busy trying to attack my hands and my feet, what you should have did was shut my mouth. But since you didn't shut my mouth, I'm going to open my mouth even while my body is bruised my spirit is still up because I want to send you a message that after all you've done to me you have not broken my spirit do I got about 50 people I'll make number 51 that'll testify after all that I've been through I can still open my mouth and my spirit is not broken Would you look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, neighbor, sometimes you got to open your mouth to send the enemy a message that he failed. Sometimes you got to open your mouth to show the enemy that trouble didn't shut you up. Because we don't know if you mean what you say until we hear you open your mouth about God when you're in trouble you can say I will bless the Lord at all times all you want to it's easy to say that when you're not in all time but when trouble hits your life the question now becomes did you mean it when you don't have a job did you mean it when your relationship is messed up did you mean it when trouble hits your life do I got anybody here that will testify my testimony today is that trouble hasn't shut me up because had you done your homework on me what you should have done was try to close my mouth. Because apparently you didn't know that, that death and life is in the power. Lord have mercy. I wish I had a church here. Of the tongue. It looked like somebody in that section, that section, that section, and that section. And that section, you've been in church for an hour now. You ain't opened your mouth. You sitting around looking at somebody. You trying to figure out who came to church today. Listen, you better stop watching everybody else and start thinking about some reasons why you ought to open your mouth. Because trouble has tried to shut you up. 
but you ought to open your mouth sometimes just to let trouble know you didn't win today. Do I have any witnesses in this house that trouble didn't win today? The whole purpose as to why they apprehended and arrested Paul and Silas was for the very reason why they're in jail praising God. The goal was to silence them. Missed it. The goal of the arrest was to silence them. The goal of putting them in jail is to shut them up. And if I can shout in jail, your jail doesn't work. I can't get any help here. If I can still open my mouth, your prison is powerless. It's a time of declaration. It's a time of development. But here's what the text teaches us. It's also a time of dedication. Lord have mercy today. If you got a Bible and can read it, church, the text says, when we read the context, you will notice that there has been a shift in the person pronouns in the context. Because when we read verse 13, it was we went by the riverside to pray. It was we that was there with Lydia and her family. In verse 16 and 17, the little girl followed us. I thought y'all went to English class in Indianapolis. Watch this, y'all. But when it came time to go to prison, it was they went. The prison part of the story is not written in first person. The power side of the story is written in first person. Luke is the author of the book of Acts. And Luke includes his presence in the power part of the passage. But when it came time to go to jail, they went to jail. Ain't going to jail. <clears throat> I don't know who I'm talking to, but ladies and gentlemen, in this season, you don't need Luke's in your life, you need Silas's. Because Luke wants to be attached to you when it's comfortable for him. Luke wants to be cool with you when it's comfortable, when you're in your prosperity, in your power. But when it's time to go to jail, he's nowhere to be found. Thank God for Silas because Silas is a ride or die brother. He's there in the power and he's there in the prison. Everybody wants to tell your story, but they don't want to be in your story. Thank God for Silas, who will be your prayer partner to the end. Thank God for Silas, who will be there when you're up and be there in your prison. And 
Thank God you got somebody that'll be dedicated to you in this midnight hour. This is a time of dedication and declaration. It's a time of development, but it's also a time, church, of deliverance. I've been talking to get to this one point and I'm done. Thank y'all for letting me share this little Easter speech. But, 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 but here it is, y'all. Y'all got a Bible and can read it. The Bible says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake <clears throat> that shook the foundation, loosed the bands, and opened the doors. I'm gonna, try to, I'm gonna try to be cool when I say this. They prayed and sang praises. They had their own praise and worship, they had their own midnight prayer service, but suddenly changed things. Let the church say suddenly. That word suddenly in its Greek etymology is the word afno. Let the church say afno. That word in its Greek etymology means unaware and unexpected. So suddenly means, ladies and gentlemen, that there was no possible way that they were praying for the Lord to send the earthquake because it came unaware and unexpected. Y'all going to catch this in a minute. We don't know what they were praying for. But common sense says anybody who's trying to get out of prison ain't praying for an earthquake. Listen, don't, don't look around, look this way, because you know you got some folk in your family that done been to jail. Anybody that's been to jail is not praying for an earthquake. Y'all, see, y'all acting bougie. I don't like that about y'all. Anybody that's ever been to jail, they in there praying, but they're not praying for an earthquake. So the earthquake was not a result of Paul's prayer. Because it's not possible for Paul to have prayed for an earthquake. We don't know what he was praying for. And here's the lesson. There's no way he could have prayed for an earthquake because his rational mind wouldn't have thought the way out of jail is an earthquake. But here's the message, y'all. If you just learn how to give God praise in whatever you in, you don't have to worry about how he going to bring you out because how he going to bring you out is a way you can't pray for anyway. Touch somebody and tell them, neighbor, the way God's going to bring you out, you can't pray for it no way. Because he going to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. The way he going to bring you out, you can't even think to ask for it anyway.
I tell you why? Because God's message to you is for you to be concerned about your devotion, he'll be concerned about your deliverance. Preach, Tolan Morgan, what it look like I'm doing. Stop trying to figure God out and just stay devoted to him. He'll handle your deliverance. Because the way he going to bring you out, you can't even ask for it anyway. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but just look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, do you know why God going to bring you out like that? Because he don't want you to get the credit. He wants all the glory. And if I understand Eastern Star correctly, I need to ask somebody a one question. If God's going to bring you out in a way you can't even ask for, then that means you got to sign up to be a member of the God Did It Committee. Do I got anybody in here that's a member of the God Did It Committee? Who brought you out? God did it. Who kept you? God did it. There's no way you could have asked for it because God did it. Tell somebody I'm a member of the God did it committee because the way he moved in my life it wasn't even possible for me to even ask for it but he did it anyway if you a member of the God did it committee praise him like you a member of the committee going to bring you out in a way you can't ask for because he wants you to go around saying if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side where would I be okay church tap your neighbor and tell your neighbor you got to hear this point tell him you got to hear this point If they're in a prison, in the darkest part of the prison, I'm done. If they're in a prison, in the darkest part of the prison, the Bible says the earthquake came. And the earthquake shook the foundation, loosed their bands, and opened doors. If it did all that, that's not the miracle. The miracle is it did all that without the jail caving in. <laughs> Lord have mercy today. I see y'all don't know when to shout. God shook your life without killing you. Your life and spared you in the process because the way it went down, you shouldn't have walked out. But thanks be to God, He shook you and didn't let you die from the shaking. I think we all can agree our lives have been shaken over the last year and a half, two years. But the good news is you still here 
And in the process, God has opened some doors, loosed some bands, shook some foundation, and now you get to walk out. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, y'all. Here's the blessing. You're not the only one coming out. The Bible says, and everyone's bands was loosed, which means God sent Paul and Silas in so others could come out. <laughs> Does that sound like somebody y'all know? One Friday on Calvary's Hill, God sent some man in so the rest of us could come out. He was wounded. Ooh, for my transgressions. And he was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace is upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Would you look at somebody and tell them, neighbor, if I come out you got to come out with me if I get set free you got to be set free with me and whom the son has set free is free indeed and I got a witness here the Bible says that while they were in chains that before they came out they prayed and sang praises unto God. Y'all didn't hear me. The Bible says that before they came out, they prayed, Lord, and sang praises unto God while they were bound. I need you to look at somebody and tell them, neighbor, since we're down here, we may as well give him praise. Since we're down here, we may as well offer glory to God. Because if you give him praise, what deliverance might God bring to your life? Tell somebody and tell them, neighbor, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I wish I had somebody that would give him praise. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, we all coming out today because it's about that time that if God sets me free, your family coming out. If God sets me free, your child coming out. Yeah! Now I need y'all to do a pew check. Took it to everybody on your pew and tell them, neighbor, this a praise pew. If you're sitting on my pew, you got to give him glory. Now let everything, I said, let everything, I said, let everything that's got breath. Yeah.
Come on, give him glory. Anybody here thankful that God has brought you a long way? Anybody thankful that God has brought you out? Thanks be to God. He threw him in so that we could come out. And the good news is the same people that he threw in, he brought them out. Does that sound like somebody y'all know? He threw him in one Friday. 